He's Amit Carr, and I'm Telly Concepcion, and together we are Beyond the Numbers Podcast. We go beyond the numbers of sports and life to bring you the story within the story of the stories that matter. So come learn, grow, and have some fun with us. We are Beyond the Numbers Podcast. On today's episode, the guys congratulate the Tampa Bay Lightning on the Stanley Cup win and talk Tampa's COVID triple crown chase. Also, the NBA Finals are set. The Miami Heat vs. Los Angeles Lakers. Could this be LeBron's last dance? And with the MLB bubble playoffs starting, the guys give their predictions. Lastly, NFL Nuggets Week 3. But first, their numbers of the day. My number of the day is one. As in the Falcons are the first team ever to lose back-to-back games despite leading by 15 or more points going into the fourth quarter in both games. My number for the day is 642. My Florida Gators hit a record for offensive yards against an SEC opponent ever with 642 total yards against Ole Miss this weekend. We are looking good. Before the business, Beyonders, it's time for Before the Business, where we answer your unanswered questions and find the numbers that went unfound in previous episodes. I'm just a kid from Tampa Bay. I rock with the Rays. I rock with the Bucks. And I rock with the Lightning unabashedly. And my Tampa Bay Lightning Amit won the Stanley Cup this week. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning. This was several years in the making. If you don't know, go back to 2015 when they lost the Cup. They owned the best record in the league last year and got swept in the first round. I loved that during the interviews, Following the win, Coach Cooper wore a Virginia hat, a UVA hat. As you know, Virginia was the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. They got bounced in the first round by a number 16 seed. First time in history that ever happened. And they came back the following year and won the whole tournament. And Coach said, although most guys on the team didn't know much about basketball, that that was their rallying cry for this year was that Virginia team getting their revenge. We're going, Amit, for the CTC, the COVID Triple Crown. We're going to rename it the TTC, the Tampa Triple Crown, as soon as the Rays get it done and as soon as Tom Brady and the Bucks get it done in the Super Bowl at home in Tampa Bay this year. You've got some high hopes. I know. I know. So the postseason saw 24 teams in two hub cities. It was Toronto and Edmonton. Each team could have a 52-member traveling party in the bubble with daily testing for each person. Now, here is the crazy stat, Telly. The NHL carried out more than 33,000 coronavirus tests over the course of nine weeks, and they say that none, zero, 
have come back positive as of September 26th. Well, shouts out to the NHL for getting it done. They are the first North American major league to complete their season and crown a champion. Shouts out to them. They don't get enough attention. The NBA bubble is still going on. So like we said, bubbles are definitely a better situation that you can control because it's a controlled environment. Also, to my Googlers listening and my Stanford friends who have been reaching out and asking, shouts out to Kenny, shouts out to Larissa, and shouts out to Michelle. The Pac-12 is returning. They've given in to the peer pressure also, and it looks like they'll be playing college football this season. Yeah, Telly. So after all this hoopla over the past couple of weeks, the Pac-12 has given in, and they will play seven games beginning November 6th. Apparently, the leagues believe it is better late than never. We'll dive into this a bit later, uh, but we wanted to give the news out here first. I'm telling you, um, Tampa's winning the CTC, the COVID Triple Crown, the TTC, the Tampa Triple Crown. But for now, let's get back to the business. It's time for our new segment, Amit, College football corner it just felt right there were so many stories that we were going to try this is a production note to squeeze them before the business but i was like you know what college football is too important for that so we got to give it its own segment So my number five, you just heard it. Go Gators. The number five Florida Gators on it. Kyle trashed through for a career high six touchdowns, tying Heisman winning national champion Joe Burrow for the most touchdown passes in an SEC opener. Burrow had six against Vanderbilt last season. The six touchdown passes also tie a school single game record. And all Trask had a career high 416 yards passing, completing 30 of 42 passes as the Gators set a school record, as I told you guys in my number of the day, for total yards in an SEC game with 642. Just think about the Gators teams in the 90s, Amit. Steve Spurrier, the fun and gun. We had Jesse Palmer in there. We had Heisman winning Danny Werfel. We had Heisman winning Danny Werfel. We had Heisman winning Danny Werfel. We had national championships. The Gators have never put up 642 yards before. This team is looking good, Amit. I am excited for the first time in a long time. Pitts had eight catches for 170 yards and four touchdowns, tying a school record for most touchdown receptions in a game by Ike Hilliard, actually, back in 92. Look for the cow-to-cow connection. Trask to Pitts, respectively. I'm telling you, man, I'm so excited. The Gators got offense for the first time in a long time. Now we got to figure out the D. Yeah, I think all things look good for Florida football. 
Moving on to something that didn't look so great. Number three, Oklahoma led Kansas State 28 to seven with six minutes and 35 seconds left in the third quarter. Since the year 2000, teams were one and 738 when trailing by 21 or more points against an AP top five team. Of course, Kansas State went on to win 38-35. Oklahoma has now lost to Kansas State twice in the last two years. Keeping with that theme, Amit, we actually have a guest here in studio with me right now. I'd like to welcome Coach Ed Ogeron to help us with this next segment here. So, uh, yeah, just, just read that, Coach. LSU became the first defending champion to lose a season opener since Michigan did in 1998 when they lost to Notre Dame 20 to 36. Go Tiger. Thank you, coach. That was excellent. Thank you, coach. That was that was fantastic. Go Tiger. Moving on to a positive piece in the SEC. Quarterback KJ Costello may have had the best SEC debut ever. The Stanford, Stanford transfer. The Stanford transfer set a single-game SEC passing record with 623 yards, which, since it was the record, broke Dak Prescott's single-game school record of 508 yards. Pay that, man. And that led Mississippi State to that upset victory over LSU. Go Tiger. We'll keep you guys posted on this college football season, this crazy COVID college football season there's been more cancellations and we'll keep everyone updated for our first story today Ahmed I wanted to pull this out of bubble news we love bubble news but this this had to be pulled out and made into a segment so we're calling this LeBron's last Dance. It's our NBA 2020 finals preview of the Miami Heat versus the Los Angeles Lakers. So we have a few storylines here, starting with Kobe Bean Bryant's tragic death earlier this year. He was a lifelong Laker. He embodies the Lakers. They are back in the finals for the first time since he took them 10 years ago. LeBron obviously won his first finals with the Miami Heat. He'll be facing off against after he claimed on it. They'd win not one, not two, not three, on and on. Obviously, that didn't happen. I think he went to seven. Some they nonsense. Went to, like they that. went to seven or something like that. Yes, they ended up winning two. You know, then they broke up. And when he broke up, he spurned Pat Riley and the Heat to go back to Cleveland. And Pat Riley was pissed, just to say the least. And like we talked about last week, you know, Pat Riley got that style. You know what I'm saying? He slicks his hair back. That's not a dude I would want to piss off. You know what I'm saying? Of course. And you got to think that big hoopla show that they created with them coming out. It looked like a WWE event. Yes. Right? When they came out on the stage, that's got to be Pat Riley too, right? He was probably slick back hair, sunglasses on, somewhere watching. No, As I'm these. thinking, I'm thinking of American Gangster when he's like, "Look, we don't flash, we just get our job done." I think Pat Riley's the, uh, you know, stay quiet, button up your suit jacket, get the job done kind of guy. I don't know if he was down with the uh, Watch charge- the Throne concert they put on to announce them going down to Miami to play. But they charge money for that. 
You know he you know he did that. The Lakers also spurned Pat Riley, firing him after the 90, 1991 NBA Finals when Magic Johnson and the team trashed, completely trashed him, basically chased him out of town. And then again, when they hired Magic Johnson for the front office, when Pat Riley's lifelong dream was to return to the Lakers in front office capacity. So there's no shortage of storylines for these NBA Finals. Our number... One, six, 17, four, 10. It's the first time in finals history that neither team made the playoffs the prior year. Six, this is Andre Iguodala's sixth straight finals appearance. Los Angeles Lakers assistant coach Phil Handy has his own six consecutive final streak. He was with the Cleveland Cavaliers from 2015 through 2018. He then went to the Toronto Raptors in 2019, and he is now with the Lakers in 2020. Six years, six NBA Finals. All against Andre Iguodala. That's right. <laughs> All six of them against Andre Iguodala. With this win, the Lakers would equal the Boston Celtics for a record 17 NBA titles. With this win, LeBron James would secure his fourth NBA ring with his third team. He's made the finals in nine of the past 10 seasons and in 10 of the last 13 seasons. Again, it's been 10 years since the storied Lakers have made it to an NBA finals. That is the longest stretch of time the Lakers haven't reached the championship since 1980. And if the finals go seven games, the NBA season will end just 10 days short of the year anniversary of its commencement. So we'll have taken almost a full calendar year to complete this NBA season. It's wild. For those of you that don't know, the Miami Heat and the LA Lakers will meet in the NBA Finals in the NBA bubble in Orlando. This is the first time ever that the NBA Finals will be featuring two teams that missed the playoffs the year prior, as Telly stated. Last year, the Heat were 39 and 43, placing 10th in the East, and the Lakers last season were 37 and 45, placing 10th in the West. So Telly, they've come a long way. We've hit 2020. We've talked about bubble news and the bubble. It's been exciting. We have reached the final chapter. Do we insert the final countdown? Here, is that where you put that song? That's exactly (laughs) where that comes in. The final count. So all this has led to here. And first off, you know, hats off to the NBA who's put on a tremendous experience. Minus no fans. I mean, I think the level of play has been there. I think the competition has been there. I think the guys have delivered. The NBA has delivered. I'm calling this Amit LeBron's last dance because the West is stacked and the Lakers did not look that dominant. I would argue they had a far easier path to the finals than even the Heat, who had to beat the number one record in the league in the Bucks. They had the most talented team they had to beat in the league, which was Boston, most GMs agreed. And they had to get through an Indiana team when they were the underdogs. This is the story of a surprise and a non-surprise. LeBron is supposed to be there. We've talked about this. The Lakers, he ch- he got AD there. You know, they did their uh, non-tampering, tampering dinner meeting where they decided that AD was going to complain until the uh, New Orleans Pelicans decided to let him go. LeBron got his way. AD is with the Lakers. They got Rondo. They got Dwight Howard. They added pieces. This team is built to win the championship this year. It was always supposed to be that way. 
And I think when Kobe passed away, of course, they're dedicating the rest of the season to honor Kobe's legacy. And what better way to do that than to win the championship this year? So I understand that the Lakers and LeBron James are the favorites in this series, but it's not going to get any easier from here. And that's why I'm calling it LeBron's last dance. I think it's going to be a good matchup. And to your point, I think that the Lakers, based on how they ran through, I think the juggernaut that they are, it was an easier route for them because they were the better team. I think yeah, the Heat had more adversity, right? They had a lot of teams that were playing that were on paper supposed to beat them every time. When I, when I say easier path through the playoffs, the Lakers got favorable matchups because they got a beat up Blazers team. They got the Rockets who don't have a center or a player taller than 6'9". They have three players that are seven feet or taller. And then they got the unexperienced Nuggets. Now, you know that's our adopted team. I love the Nuggets. We both love the Nuggets. But the Nuggets were not the Clippers. The expected matchup was supposed to be LeBron versus Kawhi, experienced coach versus experienced coach, the level of talent matchup. So they have favorable matchups. I'm not taking anything away. The Lakers won the West. I'm not I'm not taking anything away from the Lakers. They won the West. They deserve to win the West. What I'm saying is going forward, and the reason I'm calling this the last dance, LeBron's last dance, is because it's not going to get any easier from here. Donovan Mitchell's getting better. Dame isn't going away, and the Blazers have been pretty consistent the last couple of years. The Clippers can't get any worse than they did in that series against the Nuggets when they melted away. The Mavs were great and Luca had his coming out party this playoffs. Porzingis was hurt, and they almost took out the Clips. Uh, Donovan Mitchell's putting up Jordan-like numbers with Utah. Denver and Jamal Murray's putting up Jordan-like numbers. Joker's balling. Jeremy Grant showed up. And let's not forget, Steph and Clay are licking their chops for next season. Not only did they get to heal their wounds, but you know, they're getting to watch all the competition. I'm sure they can't wait to get back at it. They might get Giannis. They might not. I think they will, but they might not. They have the number two pick, and I'm liking that pick more and more. So all I'm saying is that for LeBron, it doesn't get any easier. This year, he had some hurt superstars in the West. He That rest, you can't tell me that rest didn't help LeBron. You can't tell me that the time in between the regular season and the bubble didn't help LeBron. LeBron was working out every day. And it hurt everyone else, right? When you get older, it becomes more of an issue. LeBron, remember, he's got 17 seasons in the league. If you add all of his trips to the finals, I think that adds two or three additional seasons. So give him 20 seasons in the league. Yep. That adds up. It doesn't matter how good, how great you are. That's miles on your body. That's mileage. The rest He's benefits him more. Out. The rest still benefits him more out. than younger guys. Since you brought up LeBron, the old man, you know, he's going essentially 20 years of playing in the league. I want to talk about his numbers just briefly in the finals, right? Yeah. So let's look at just how he's done in the finals. I respect. I'm tipping my cap. I Ranked respect. number one in triple doubles with 10. Two in total points with 1,383. Second in total three-pointers made, 86, but first place isn't even close. Steph Curry with 121, and Clay's also got 86, same number as LeBron. Total steals, he comes in second with 86. Magic Johnson is first with 102. Total assists, he comes in third with 379. He comes third in field goals made with 520. He comes fifth in total rebounds with 490. Kareem is number four with 507. Bill Russell is number one with 1,718 rebounds in the final. He comes in seventh in total games played with 49. Bill Russell had 70. 
at number one. And he comes in seventh in total blocks with 43. Kareem is at number one with 116. Okay, there's one number missing you didn't give me, though. What you need? How many wins? He has three rings. Okay, how many loss? Four. So being there is going to get you the numbers. And I don't think anybody doubts that LeBron will probably top most lists with points, assists, rebounds because of his longevity. And we give our hats off to him on that. But he trade all that in for a couple more rings. I guarantee you that. I agree with you. I think the argument is well taken, right? Like we agree LeBron, LeBron's a great player. I'm not arguing that LeBron's not a great player. I'm not arguing that the Lakers don't deserve to be in the finals. They're in the finals. But what we're saying is, what I'm saying is LeBron's last dance. This could possibly be LeBron's last time in the finals. I agree. This is getting more and more difficult because not only is he aging, but the competition, the young bucks are licking their chops. When you look at Jamal Murray, you look at Donovan Mitchell, Steph and Clay rested for a whole season long, a whole year of rest. How many guys in their primes get to rest a year (laughs) and watch the competition on TV every night and be like, oh, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start working out this way. I'm going to start getting it done. Although so you that's, could argue, that's how we're staying. You could argue that there's one guy that got a rest in his prime. Yeah, was it a rest though? I mean, he pl- he did play baseball for a couple months. Well, yeah, was it a rest though? Because we <laughs> we saw the last dance and Tim Grover said, "Nah, you know now if you want to go back to basketball, I got to completely rebuild your body from scratch. Yep. It's totally different workout." So I don't even know if he took a day off. He took time off from basketball, but I don't know if he took like time off. <laughs> But yeah, that's a good point. So this this brings us, and we want to make this a finals preview. So that that's kind of our commentary on the West. But let's take it over to the East, Ahmed. Let's take it over to the East. If the Bucks are so good, why would Giannis leave for Golden State? And why do we have such a good regular season record with that team, but all of a sudden they're not good enough to win in the finals? Well, you know, it's just, playoffs. Like, just like baseball. Sometimes you dominate the regular season. <clears throat> Dodgers were looking at you. But if you don't have two or three aces in your rotation, you're not getting through the playoffs to the World Series. Giannis is a beast, but he cannot do it alone. Just like LeBron couldn't name some of the books. If they weren't in recent memory, like in a couple years, we won't be able to name those guys. You're right. You do need to have LeBron left. You need to have the playmakers. You got to have the pieces. And you're right. That that is why he left. To your point, I really think that Giannis is going to make it over there. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out. We didn't get the Lakers-Celtics final that you were very sure the league was going to get, but we did get the finals that LeBron wanted. Right? We got the finals LeBron wanted. I mean, I know we're, we're short on time, but I wanted to play you a clip of LeBron letting it slip that he decides who plays in the finals because when they interviewed him after the game, he said this. Um, and then I started thinking about the next opponent. Um, you know, Boston had a, you know, a few moments in my head. Miami had a few moments in my head as well um, on how uh, challenging that's going to be, whoever we decide, whoever uh, wins that next series and how um, challenging that's going to be. Um, and then I just started thinking about my journey um, as well. You know, so, <clears throat> you know, all of that uh, was just going through my mind um, as the confetti was on the floor, as it's coming down, uh, landing on my shoulder and, um, and things of that nature. So. And basically, he let it slip that, like, who we decide to play. So clearly he wanted the Heat. What were the Heat's odds of entering this finals? So Miami entered the season with 75 to 1 odds to win the title, according to ESPN Stats and Info. Easily the lowest of any finals team in the past 30 years. 
the only team to come close, the 2002 New Jersey Nets at that time, who were 60 to one long shots before reaching the finals and being swept by the three-peat Lakers of Kobe and Shaq. Over the past 30 years, no other team has been a longer shot than the 30 to one odds to make the finals. With the 28 to one odds Warriors in 2015 being the longest shot to actually win the title. LeBron picked who he wanted, right? He did not want to see Boston, which was a more talented team and probably had shorter odds to make it to the finals. So who are these Miami Heat, man? They're made up of guys that nobody really knows too much other than Jimmy Butler, CEO right. of Big Face Coffee. But let's shine a light. Tyler Hero, a 20-year-old that we talked about last week. He scored 22 points in the second half, including 17 in the fourth quarter and made the record books with his performance, setting heat record for most points by a rookie in a playoff game, becoming the youngest to score 30 or more points in a conference finals, setting a record for most points by a rookie in a conference final, and becoming the second youngest player to score 35 or more points in a playoff game behind only Magic Johnson. You got the OG Udonis Haslam, Florida Gator, and the guy I'd want from either team in this series, Amit over LeBron James, over AD. Give me Jimmy Buckets Butler. I would not bet against him. I think he's got the biggest chip on his shoulder from either team. He's been dropped from a couple of teams. Nobody wanted him. Nobody thought he was good enough. And all he is is getting this team to the finals. I'm gonna do you one better, right? So Jimmy Butler had zero division one offers coming out of high school. And let's look at the rest of that roster. Jay Crowder, second round draft pick. Duncan Robinson, undrafted. Yep. Kron Dragic, second round draft pick. Yep. Kendrick Nunn, undrafted. Derek yep. Jones Jr., undrafted. These are guys that people overlooked and no one wanted a part of. And they have all come together. And when you watch their press conferences, it's great. They're playing for each other. Yeah, it's they love each cool. other. They're having a lot of fun. And we gave shouts out last week to L. Leonard for giving us the inside look to the benches the energy that the Miami Heat bench had versus the Boston Celtics bench. And, you know, this team really has no egos. You know, whoever's hot can shoot. So I'm all for Amit. They pass it around. I'm all for the Heat here. Pat Riley exacting revenge on the Lakers. Pat Riley exacting revenge on LeBron James with the team of nobodies. Heat, we love you. But nobody else knows about y'all like that. Prove them wrong. Prove them wrong. So I'm all here for the Heat over the Lakers in this series. How crazy would that be to upend things? I know the Lakers are the sentimental pick, especially with the passing of Kobe Bryant, the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant this season. How crazy would it be if the Heat went in there and got the job done in Orlando this season? I got the Heat in seven on it. Who you got? I've got the Lakers. I originally thought Lakers in five. I may go Lakers in six. And I say that because... LeBron's one and eight in game ones of the NBA finals. So there's a good chance they don't win game one. And I can't see them taking four in a row against the Heat. And we're recording this Wednesday, September 30th. We have not seen, you know, game one will come on tonight. We're recording this in the afternoon. So it'll be fun to see. Wanted to make sure we got this down before any games started. So for our second story of the day, MLB bubble news, 
Yes, Major League Baseball is heading into a bubble for the division series onwards. And we're going to give you our MLB playoff previews and projections and some of our own thoughts of what's happened so far and what we think is going to happen through the rest of the series. We're recording this segment on Thursday, October 1st. So at this point, we know a few things. We know that so far, the Yankees and the Rays and the Atlanta Braves have moved on to the next round. The Yankees, the Braves, your Yankees, my Rays, the Braves are moving on. We know that this much is true. Last week, we gave you the logistics surrounding the Major League Baseball bubble, MLB bubble, for the playoffs, which start after the wild card round. But right now, we want to give you some playoff previews, have some fun, and make some predictions, some much too early (laughs) predictions. Much too early. So the Los Angeles Dodgers have qualified for the MLB playoffs for the last seven seasons, reaching the World Series twice during that span. And of course, most famously, probably the 2017 World Series where they lost to the Astros. They haven't won one since 1988. The Dodgers posted a major league best 43 and 17 record this year en route to their eighth consecutive National League West title. They've captured five of their six World Series crowns since relocating from Brooklyn in 1958. I like to point out that my Rays had the second best record in the league at 40 and 20, but uh, that's right. The Dodgers are the favorite to add to that total. There are plus 350 in the latest 2020 World Series odds from William Hill. Your Yankees, Ahmed, and my Rays are at both plus 600. So, you know, I'm rocking with my Rays this season. As I mentioned at the top, you know, I'm just a kid from Tampa Bay. So I'm rocking with them all the way to the World Series. We know that the Tampa Bay Rays will be facing off against your New York Yankees. In full disclosure, like 80% of Tampa. I was born in New York City. I'm a lifelong Yankee. I was watching all the 90s World Series. I have my Derek Jeter jersey on. I have my Yankee fitted cap on. But you know, when we got a team in Tampa, I had to go with the homegrown team, the underdog. That's what I've been my whole life, an underdog, an overachiever. I feel like that's what the Rays are. Underdogs, overachievers, low payroll. All they do is win 96 wins last season. They just get overlooked every year. So I love the Yankees, but the Rays have my heart now. I think this series is going to be a good one. Honestly, it's a toss-up to me. Both of these teams are good. The Rays have definitely dominated the Yankees in the regular season. It'll be interesting to see if the Yankees are at full strength as they come into this, um, you know, most of their season was pretty much their big players were on the DL for a good portion of the 60 games. So they kind of snuck in at the back end of it. Um, they had that strong start, which gave them a little bit of a lead. And then they pushed through, like I said, the Rays dominated them during the regular season. So either the Yankees get revenge or the Rays show everyone that they're the real deal and ready to go. All season long, you know, we play, the Rays are notorious for playing to their competition. I mean, so although they dominated the Yankees, they struggled against the Orioles, okay, yep. and struggled against the Blue Jays. So I was actually more worried about the first round, the wild card series against the Blue Jays than I was against the series against the Yankees. 
the reason I'm rocking with the Rays and they're my pick, not just because they have my heart, not just because I'm a Tampa boy, you know what I'm saying? But it's about pitching this season. And like you've said, the deep rotations will dominate in the Rays for the last 10 years, 15 years, going back to Matt Garza, going back to Shields, going back to those guys, David Price. We've always had depth at pitching. But the team we play has one ace, has two aces. And then they use that guy two or three times on us, like the Astros did last year, and they beat us that way. Now, without the rest in between the games, like you pointed out last week, now it comes down to how deep is your rotation. Let's see pitcher number three. Let's see number four. Let's see number five. What do you have hiding, you know, lower in the depth chart at pitching let's not just throw cole out there three times and beat a team with one guy now it's a little more strategy and i think that plays more to the raise hands because we have big time guys who show up in big time situations and they've just never had a chance because a team with a bigger payroll can throw like one star at us three times and shut us down you know it's fun i think what the fun part about this is as a race fan you've got it easy right because if you guys win the conversation is, look at that. With no payroll, we took down the Yankees, right? And if you lose, you can say, do you see how much they pay the Yankees? There's no way we could hold up against the Yankees. But I think the Rays are not thinking that way, right? And the of commentary of the game, the oh, game yeah, yesterday not. was great. They don't want to be the lovable Rays with no payroll, the overachievers. They're asking for respect. 96 wins last season you know they're asking for respect they, these guys can play and these guys have showed up um and they've been balling all season give it a shortened season but since last season they've been balling out so we'll see this year like you said is show up or shut up and i'm all for anarchy this shortened season i've already told you we want the covid triple crown the ctc we're going to call it the Tampa Triple Crown, the TTC, where the Lightning have already got the job done. We need the Rays to get the job done, and then the Bucks, and then three Tampa teams will win some COVID championships during this time. Either way, whoever wins this division, they're going to go up against most likely the Houston Astros. So there's a revenge series down the road potentially for either one of us. So it could be fun. Yes, because they were <clears throat> they knew the pitches uh, Tyler Glass now was throwing last year. And I was, well, let's not get into that. We yeah, we, we, we can step away from that one. <laughs> let's take a look around some of these postseason brackets, right? This whole wild card week has been a lot of fun to watch. And we have two teams in this wild card week showing up to play that had some COVID problems this season. So we have the Miami Marlins up against the Chicago Cubs. Who thought that was going to happen? When the season started, the Miami Marlins had a 2% chance of making the postseason. But now, in the wild card best of three series, they're up 1-0 against the Cubs in a three-game set, of course. And they've got a 69.6% .6 chance of advancing to the next series. You remember what Derek Jeter's number is? Two. 2% 2 chance, that's why. That's right. That's Derek right. Jeter gutted that team pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know what? They've got a lot of talent and they've got some crazy pitchers. They've got some real studs in that rotation. They're young and they are strong. So even if they don't go anywhere this year, it looks like they're building the blocks for 
what's going to be a pretty formidable team down the road. And I think the argument could be made, right, that they kind of fell backwards into this one a little bit, but it has worked out and we can't take any credit away from those guys. Oh, for sure. I didn't have them winning 15 games out of 60 based on that. And especially with COVID taking out 18 to 20 of their guys, they were they were hiring guys off the street to come play. So, oh, yeah, I told you you have your phone ready. They were going to hit you up (laughs) some innings in there. But they, they, it's definitely been a testament to what is possible, and it's been they've been fun to watch. And who had the St. Louis Cardinals, another COVID plague team, in the postseason against the Red Hot Padres? The Redbirds are up 1-0 in that series and have a 61.7% chance of winning that series. Knocking the Padres, Padres have been out. One team to watch this season. I think they are my West Coast Tampa Rays. They are my National League Tampa Rays. You know, Tatis Jr. is having tons of fun. Manny Machado, two Dominicans, you know. They've been a lot of fun to watch, and I think a lot of people were uh, betting that they would go far this season, so that's a big surprise. The Cardinals, I think, ended up playing something like 30 games in 27 days, but because they were out for those two weeks, they had multiple double headers week in, week out. They had a crazy schedule coming in just to get 60 games in to finish the season. So they, they came to play, but I'm hopeful that the Padres could even the series up tonight. And I'd love to see the Padres advance to the next level, uh, but we'll see. Who is gonna beat the Los Angeles Dodgers? During the regular season, they were ranked first in runs scored per game, 5.82 runs per game on average. And they were ranked second in the least number of runs allowed per games, 3.55. So they've got the number one offense league-wide, American and National League, and the number two pitching rotation league-wide. That is crazy. Telly, it feels like it may be their year finally. Yeah, you know, unless they play the Rays. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But yeah, it's been unfortunate. They've made it so many times. They've gotten beat. You know, they've been consistently good. Like we talked about with basketball, you asked me with the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, can you dominate the regular season? Why can't you advance in the playoffs? I think the Dodgers have been the epitome of that. They've dominated the the last seven regular seasons and they've made it to the World Series a couple of times in there, but they haven't been able to get the job done. And this year they're feeling like it's their year. They paid up big money to get Mookie Betts. Um, You know, they do have a Tampa Bay Rays connection because the GM there was the Rays GM for years. And um, he's done a great job of putting in the pieces in place that they've needed to get them further and further each year. You know, everyone's talking about adding Mookie into this this lineup and, and having a big bat in there. I don't think Mookie Betts was the issue right? It wasn't an offensive issue. It was pitching. So is Clayton Kershaw going to show up, right? Is he going to be the Clayton Kershaw of the regular season? Or is he going to be the Clayton Kershaw that we've seen signs of brilliance in the postseason, but we've also seen him very, very average in the postseason? Is Dustin May, this 22-year-old flamethrower, going to show up and, and be able to perform, you know? Is is Walker Bueller and Ross Stripling. Are these guys going to show up and perform as starters? Because like you and I have said, pitching is what's going to be the biggest piece of this postseason. And it doesn't matter how many guys you can hit. If you can't get out of the third inning with your starter, or if you start getting into bullpen trouble, it's going to ruin your entire series. 
one thing, like I said, Andrew Friedman's great at is evaluating talent. You know, he, he built that reputation with the Rays without the payroll. Now he's he can evaluate the talent and he has the payroll and the blank check to go out and get what they need. So it may not be Mookie, but there's an overall feeling around the team that like they paid for Mookie. They trust us. They believe in us. They're still rolling with us. Right. How many teams would have tore this apart after losing two World Series? How yep. many teams would have started rebuilding? And they added pieces and they said, we trust you guys to get the job done. So we'll see if they get the job done. And the bullpen is going to be key, right? What kind of Canley Jensen are we going to get? And hey, they've got an ex-Tampa Bay Ray in that pen, Telly. I don't know know if you remember Jake McGee. Of course I remember McGee. They used to call him McGee in the box. Boxberger and McGee used to close out games for the Rays. Brad Boxberger and Jake McGee. And he was one of our best closers. So he's 33. So he's, you know, in in baseball terms and in pro athlete terms, that's an old man. But we'll see what they can do. We will see. You can get an inning or two. You see Angels in the outfield. You can go in there and pitch an inning or two. Yeah, but that's Tony Danza with an angel. Like that's that's a whole different game. And this Jake McGee with the Dodgers. What's, what's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> so, some so fun and not so fun numbers. The Twins have lost a record 18 postseason games in a row. That's a tremendous stat. The Seattle Mariners have more playoff wins than the Minnesota Twins since the turn of the century. They have nine. The Twins have only six. And the Mariners have not made the playoffs since 2001, the longest active drought in North American sports. With the teams they've had, that's ridiculous. With the pitching they've had, that's ridiculous. With King Felix on the mound, that's just astonishing. No, but they they have nine wins, more than the Twins, and they haven't been to the postseason since 01. In the last 19 years, they haven't made it, and they still have more postseason wins than the Twins. That's wild. Yep. (laughs) That's crazy to me. The more I think about that, the crazier that is. Another crazy stat for you, the Atlanta Braves won their first playoff series since the 2001 NLDS. Now that's interesting enough, right? It's been 19 years, but here's the crazy piece of this. Batting second for that 2001 team was Julio Franco. Julio Franco is 62 years old right now, and he made his debut in 1982 in the same lineup as Pete Rose. So one of (laughs) Pete Rose's teammates was in the last postseason series that the Atlanta Braves won. That's some that's some degrees of separation, like Shaq in the playoffs and in the finals. It's the same like playoff Shaq. He played with LeBron. The streak continues since 1984. So here's the deal. Those are some fun numbers. Telly, based on this breakdown, based on everything we've talked about, you know, you've you've got your Rays going through. Who who's gonna win the World Series? What is this season gonna end like? Who will hold the COVID Cup, the COVID championship in Major League Baseball? Man, so I got I got the Dodgers coming out of the National League. I think uh, that's been pretty uniform across a lot of what we've been reading. The Dodgers are a foregone conclusion in the National League. I've got my Tampa Bay Rays making it to the World Series this year, exercising some demons. The last time we were there, we lost to the Phillies. And uh, I got the Rays in six. I will be in the country this time. Last time the Rays were in the World Series, I was studying abroad in Dublin, Ireland. I will watch every game. I will be here. 
2008. 2008. You know what was crazy about that 2008 series? Just a sad side tangent. You could get tickets to the World Series the day of. Had I been in town, I would have went. But like I said, I was in Ireland for the whole series and I wasn't able to go. We were up at three in the morning watching watching Rays games from Ireland. We're watching games, trying to see what was going on. And yeah, the Rays just weren't able to get the job done that year. Well, Telly, my predictions, like a foregone conclusion in your head too, I know. I've got the Dodgers. Like I said, I feel like this team has, I can't think of anyone that can beat them right now if they play up to, you know, who they are. And I have the Rays Yankees as a toss up. Of course, I'm going to go with my team. I've got the Yankees, but unlike you, I have the Dodgers in six. I don't think the Yankees match up with them from a pitching standpoint and the Dodgers have the bats. The Yankees have bats, but the Dodgers also have bats. I just think that team is a complete team and it's going to be tough to take them down. That's what I'm saying. The Rays got the pitching. The Rays are used to playing in an empty stadium. Ain't nobody got a home field advantage on us this year. We're not, we don't have to go to Yankee stadium. We don't have to go to Dodger field. We're going to be playing in an empty dome a Tampa Bay Ray friendly dome that we are accustomed to. We're used to hearing our echoes when we hit balls. We're used to hearing guys yelling in the outfield. We can get it done. Let's go raise. Telly, the last thing I'm going to say is from an offensive standpoint, you guys just aren't putting up the, I know you have the wins and you have the wins because your pitching is rock solid. But when it comes to offensive production, the Tampa Bay Rays are averaging in the regular season 4.82 runs per game. Do you know who's ahead of you? You got the Boston Red Sox. It doesn't matter who's ahead. Oh my God. (laughs) You got the Red Sox, the Nationals, the Angels, the Giants, the Phillies. All of these teams are ahead of you. Although behind you, the Houston Astros at 4.65 which is the league average actually 4.65 runs per game was the league average this year. I think offense will be interesting. If the Rays can put up numbers like they did against Toronto Blue Jays, hey, you may be onto something. But we'll see. I would, I would argue with the shortened season, you know, it's getting it's taking a little more time for guys to get acclimated, but peaking at the right time, I'm peaking at the right time. Hopefully the team peaks now at the right time and starts putting up some more runs on the board. So you heard it here. Telly's got Tampa in six over the Dodgers as World Series champions. I've got Dodgers in six over my Yankees as the World Series champions. Let's see how this plays out. It's time for our new segment, NFL Nuggets, where we go beyond the numbers and bring you the stories within the story of the stories that matter within the NFL. Josh Allen has been responsible for 12 touchdowns through the first three games of the 2020 season. The only quarterbacks in NFL history to have more is Patrick Mahomes with 13 in 2018 and Russell Wilson with 14 this year. Sticking with Russell Wilson, he is now the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for four plus touchdowns in each of his team's first three games of a season. 
Looking at the Chicago Bears, they are the first team in NFL history to win two games in the same season they were trailing by 16 plus points entering the fourth quarter. They are the anti-Falcons. You can, you can say that again, boy. The Falcons are just keep finding ways to lose. Eric Fisher, an old lineman for the Chiefs, has, I know everybody saw that, stumbling, fumbling, rumbling, touchdown catch that he had. Then he made it look slick, slammed that thing down from Patrick Mahomes. But he has one receiving touchdown on Monday Night Football. Let's just go through the list, Amit. That's more receiving touchdowns than Julian Edelman, Amari Cooper, Julio Jones, Jarvis Landry, and T.Y. Hilton combined. None of them have any. It should also be noted, and this is kind of cool, that Eric Fisher is the first number one overall pick to catch a touchdown pass since Keyshawn Johnson in 2006. And I want to note, since... So, of course, Keyshawn Johnson caught many touchdown passes with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but he was the last number one pick to catch a touchdown pass before Eric Fisher. Sticking with the Chiefs, Money Mahomes reached 10,000 career passing yards in just 34 games, becoming the fastest player to hit that mark in NFL history. Kurt Warner previously held that record in 36 games. Yeah, Money Mahomes has been, shall we say, uh, money. He's also now 10-0 in September in his career with 32 passing touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a passer rating of 124.4. That's pretty magical, Telly. It's pretty magical. And when it's we ridiculous. Think of, and when we think of magic, we got to talk about Fitz Magic, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, we've been talking about him for a couple of weeks, and we've wanted to dive a little deeper into him. Well, as he continues to play in the NFL and find starting positions on different teams. On his path to glory, Ahmed. On his path from Harvard, from the Crimson, to the glory that is the NFL. That's blazing right. a trail along the way. He has been surprisingly good, but it's interesting to note that he has made many stops. And now Ryan Fitzpatrick becomes the first player to record a victory for six different teams against a single opponent. And that single opponent, Telly, is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ryan Fitzpatrick has beaten the Jaguars while playing for the Bengals, Bills, Titans, Texans, Jets, and now Dolphins. Count them up, crazy. that's six teams. That's crazy. And I can't believe he didn't do it with the Bucks. but then thinking, you know, AFC, NFC, I don't think the Bucks play the Jags that often. So we'll let that one slide. I know Ryan had some magical moments with the Buccaneers last season. And, you know, we got to stick with Fitzmagic because he is also now in the top 35 all time for passing touchdowns and top 35 quarterbacks all time for passing yards. So touchdowns and yards, top 35 all time. When it comes to a single game statistic, there are only two players in the NFL who have totaled two passing touchdowns, 20 plus rushing yards, one or more rushing touchdowns, and a reception. And those two people, Walter Payton and Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
sweetness. Walter Payton, Hall of Famer, stand-up guy, the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award is named after him because of the greatness that he was on and off the field. So Ryan has some big shoes to fill, and it sounds like he's on his way there, Amit. Telly, I think I've got some good news for Eagles fans. Maybe. I don't know. I don't Maybe. know. That's 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 pretty bad. I mean, Maybe. I think birds are having a bad season between the Falcons and the Eagles. I think birds are having a rough year. I mean, for what it's worth, the Eagles haven't won a game, and they're only a half a game back in the division. So whatever. But with his 100th career passing touchdown in his 59th game, Carson Wentz has surpassed Donovan McNabb's 76 games as the fastest Eagles player to reach the century mark in touchdowns. They also have the same amount of Super Bowl MVPs. But Alvin Kamara moving on to the Saints now. The Saints. Who that? Who that? Who that nation? Alvin Kamara has scored two or more touchdowns in each of his last five games. I know you've seen the workouts. I'm I'm jealous of these workouts. I wish I could do these workouts. When I was playing, I wish the coaches would have had us do these workouts. Throw a stick up in the air with three three sticks sticking out of it. Catch it by the color I call out. While you're balancing on a ball, while you have a tennis ball balanced on top of your head, all of this. They showed his workouts next to the touchdown run he had, and you can see exactly which part of the workout benefits during the run somebody hits you from the left you bounce to the right someone hits you to the from the right you bounce to the left you jump over the defender you fall backwards into the end zone i swear he literally practices all of those moves but i digress he scored two or more touchdowns in each of the last five games that's the longest streak of games with two or more touchdowns since hall of famer l T. LaDainian Tomlinson had an eight-game streak on his way to setting the NFL single-season touchdown record back in 2006, which he set at 31. We'll see if Kamara can do it this year. Breeze has he been got having- paid. He's got the grill. He's showing off the grill. He got the contract. Now he's got to deliver on the field, and I think he will. Yeah, I think he's going to be Drew Brees' main guy. Uh, just looking at, you know, we talked about last week how Brees has been having some hard times throwing those long passes. He's been sticking to short passes, screen passes. So I think the run game will be big, and I think I think Kamara should have a big year. To an interesting player that maybe a lot of not not maybe not a lot of people think about as being in this class of quarterback. But since 2014, in Derek Carr's NFL debut, he is just one of five quarterbacks to have thrown 20,000 passing yards, had 125 or more passing touchdowns, and fewer than 65 interceptions. Who are the other four quarterbacks, Telly? Tom Brady, TB12. Thomas Brady now, Thomas. Thomas Brady, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Drew Brees. The only five quarterbacks to put up those numbers since 2014 when Derek Carr entered the league. Kind of crazy. That's nuts. And moving on from our studs now to the duds. Lamar Jackson is 0-3 against the Kansas City Chiefs in the regular season. We told you guys that was the game of the week. We told you to watch that Monday night game. I watched the whole game, Amit, and it was unbelievable because it seems like every week, Patrick Mahomes gets better and better 
and better. And they were calling plays that the defense, they were tricking the defense on it. They were basically pump faking one way, taking the play a completely different direction. It was magical to watch, not just the game, but the game within the game, which is Andy Reid messing with the Baltimore Ravens heads. They thought they were close to a Super Bowl. That game made it look like they were very, very far from a Super Bowl. But Lamar Jackson is 0-3 against the Chiefs, which is the only record that counts right now. He's 21-1 against everybody else in the regular season. So Chiefs are his kryptonite, Telly. Their measuring stick right now is the Chiefs. They want to be where the Chiefs are, and they need to get there by beating the Chiefs, and they have to make a lot of wholesale changes before they can get there. Since Lamar Jackson was drafted in 2018, the Ravens are 0-10 after trailing at halftime, including the playoffs. They are the only team in the NFL without a single win after trailing at halftime in that span. You know, while Russell Wilson's putting up some crazy offensive numbers. My MVP this season. Their defense cannot stop the pass. They have allowed the most passing yards in NFL history through three games. They gave up 434 yards to the Falcons in week one, 397 yards in week two to the Patriots. And this past week to the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott passed for 461 yards. Pay that man. That's true. Pay that man. Pay that man. Pay that man. Pay him a lot. Pay him so much you don't have cap space for the next 10 years. Pay that man. The game is changing. You know, I was watching Monday Night Football, Ahmed, and Steve Young is talking about coming back because you can't touch the QB. You can't touch the wide receivers. So some of these passing records, you know, you got to put a little a little mark. You know how you do in baseball. There's different eras. This might be the passing era. So you got to take some of these records <laughs> with a grain of salt. I will say that, especially as a DB myself. So bad news for the Texans is that they're 0-3. Worse news for the Texans is that Miami owns Houston's first and second round picks for 2021. So good luck with tanking this season to get some high picks next season. Well, Bill O'Brien's really a genius here. He's he's made all the right moves to put the Texans in the right spot. Granted, the Texans have had a crazy schedule for their first three games. Yeah, but still, he paid his QB. Shouts out to Deshaun Watson. Deserves every penny. Trades away his QB's number one weapon, who's balling out of control with Arizona right now, and expects them to be as good, if not better, than last year. That is not how it works, Bill O'Brien. Figure that out. The Packers have scored more points in the third quarter than the New York Jets have all season long 38 points in the third quarter of games to only 37 points of the Jets all season long. Telly, it should be noted because I know there's some Jets fans out there. It should be noted that the Giants have only scored 38 points all season. So the Packers are tied with the Giants for third quarter points. So really the two New York teams, at least, you know, the two New York City teams, are a collective dumps, dumpster fire. It's I was going to say, because the Bills, the Bills are balling no, right now, the man. Bills, the Bills are balling. Buffalo, Buffalo. That's, that's Buffalo, not part of New York. Buffalo, Buffalo. We don't own that. 
Lastly, four of the five teams with the most turnovers this season. My bad, I took that one. Take no, no, that. take it. Go for it. Take it away. <laughs> take it away. Lastly, four of the last five teams. I stole this one from Amit because I'm not going to put him through this embarrassment. This is his, his division. I'm saving him here. I threw a flag. I switched up. I switched it up. The most turnovers this season, four to five teams in the NFL with the most turnovers this season are in the NFC East. The yeah. Eagles have eight. The Giants have seven. Washington football has seven. Vikings, seven. Cowboys, six. Tell me, how many teams are there in each division? There's four teams per division. Yeah. The entire NFC East. <laughs> yeah. And, and the Vikings. Take Which, that for data. Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. At the top, I introduce to you the CTC, the COVID Triple Crown, and we're going to call it the TTC, the Tampa Triple Crown. Congratulations to my Tampa Bay Lightning. They got the job done. Now it's on to the Rays. For our first segment, Telly, we talked about LeBron's last dance, our NBA 2020 finals preview between Miami and the Lakers. And for our second segment, we gave you our thoughts on the MLB and made our MLB bubble predictions and gave you a preview. And finally, in NFL Nuggets, we showcased Ryan Fitzmagic's baller status, top 35 in both passing yards and touchdowns, along with some studs and duds through the first three weeks of the NFL season. Thank you for going beyond the numbers with us. We're a weekly podcast dedicated to going beyond the numbers of sports and life to bring you the story within the story of the stories that matter. We're available on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening on now, please be sure to click the follow or subscribe button to get our latest content. And remember, you can find us on Instagram, Beyond the Numbers Podcast, and on Twitter at Beyond TN Podcast. Until next time, peace. peace.